This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome again to Movie Talk. Today we'll be looking at the personal conflict on a small Irish island in the Banshees of Inchuron. And we also have two listings of the top films of last year. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. Well, you didn't do anything to me. I just don't like you no more. You didn't like me yesterday. Why does he not want to be friends with you no more? Why is he 12? What the hell's going on with you, me feckin' brother? He's dull, Siobhan. But he's always been dull. The other night, two hours, you spent talking to me about the things you found in your little donkey shite that day. Well, it wasn't me little donkey shite, it was me pony shite, which shows how much you were listening. In The Banshees of Inchurin, we enter the very personal world of Irish movies. In this case, the lifelong friendship of two men is suddenly brought to an end for no obvious reason, leaving the younger of the two disastrously trying to renew the relationship. Carolyn Brown's been off to the Lumiere Cinema to see this fascinating film. Uh, Carolyn, how did you cope with the frustration of the Banshees of Inchurin? I just let it wrap around me and go over it and just kept on thinking, wow, this is awesome acting, but what a weird premise. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> <It is>, yes. <laughs> and how far is it going to go? But um, as I said, the acting just carries the film. They're just superb performances by Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson and Kerry Condon and Barry Keehan, the two supporting actors. Yes. And that, yeah, I just really, really liked it. Even though it was really, really dark and really, really depressing, um, it was lovely. Yes. <laughs> and really, I mean, to me, it was difficult because I sort of never quite understood why did he give up this friendship with it. Nobody does. To go down That's to the whole the, point. Yeah, you know, they, they, they used to go down to, one's a bit old, uh, older than the other one. Yeah. But they, um, the younger one used to knock on the other one's door every day of the week at 2 p.m. in the afternoon and they'd go down to the pub together. Yes. And this yeah. day, the fellow inside wouldn't open the door and Said wouldn't no. go to the pub Maybe anymore. he was going through male menopause. <laughs> yes, that's, that, <laughs> that figures. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, but yes. <laughs> no, but I thought it was also really interesting because I actually thought it was a parable because part of the um, the set scene around is of what's happening on the mainland and the Civil War, the Irish Civil War is happening yes, on the yes. mainland because it's set in the early 1920s. 20s, and I was wondering yeah. if it was a parable, like a commentary trying to talk about the futileness of war and how people don't talk to each other and it just creates bigger and bigger yes. problems. So I went away and Googled it thinking, oh, I'm, I'm feeling very insightful. But um, no, that's not... <laughs> there was supposed to be no correlation between the two at all. Well, that's the way I understood yeah. it too. You know, I thought, Maybe it well, should be. This is it. I mean, this shows the uh, communication between the Irish people. Because uh, they, well, they not keep just on, the Irish, they, just war in general, basically. Nobody's talking to each other. They're just firing rockets well, at each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, uh, but, but the point is it's, it's the, the lack of good communication mm. between the Irish people themselves has brought them to this uh, civil war back in 1923 when this is set. These people on this little island can hear the shooting and the cannons and things on yeah. the mainland. Yeah, which I really and, thought was really interesting and, and, why and, that was there. Mm, but. And, and I think this is the whole point here that even, well, we as the, the viewer 
cannot quite understand um, what these two fellows are really uh, upset. Uh, you know, how do they get into this awkward situation? Between yeah, the two? you really identify with them. They've been friends up until this minute. They've been close together, and now they're not. But this applies, is paralleled by the Irish people on the mainland. Yes, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a parallel in, in many ways. Like no, I, yeah, and I read some interviews with the, the writer and he was saying, no, it's just about two men who decide, one of them decides he doesn't like the other anymore and they take it to extremes and that's as <laughs> but, simple but as that. Still doesn't explain the why. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it is a beautiful, it is beautifully set on an, Ireland, an, mm. on an island in Ireland. It's a fictional Ireland. Uh, island. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's just stunning. It's just, yeah, a beautiful film. But I don't think I would go see it if I was feeling depressed already or or you thought it was a comedy. Or there were, there yeah, this is it again. Scenes. I mean, I, 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 there's quite a few good, uh, funny moments in the film, but uh, I would not have taken it as a comedy either. No. Uh, you know, although many well, it's a tragedy. Of... Uh, what do they call it? A tramedy. Big... A tramedy? <laughs> Black <laughs> comedy. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, you know, because it gets down to that. Uh, the older man, he sort of threatens the younger one. If you keep coming near me plot wanting spoilers. Yes. to talk to me, I will start to cut off a finger every time you come to me. Yes. Well, this sort of cha- chaotic situation. Very childish. Just, uh, is this going to actually happen or not? <laughs> well, you'll have to go and see the film to find out. Well, very childish. Um, but, yeah, interesting. It's um, Oh, no, no. But then, on the other hand, I just have a deep uh, liking, loving of virtually all Irish films, mm. the way they handle their people. They're very good at creating um, characters. The, the relationships between these people, both the positive and the negative relationships and all of this. And, uh, but there's also usually a deep sense of caring in these films and, and also the touches of humour throughout it. And uh, in that sense, this is a classic example of that type very of much. Irish filmmaking. Yeah. So if you love your Irish movies, don't don't miss out on this one. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, and um, and, and I just just can't can't help um, commenting that there's also a lot of fucking shite in this film. <laughs> but but all well, that's the way the people talk over there. <laughs> it is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> That was Carolyn Brown with her views on the Banshees of Inchuran, and I'm Hans Petrovic on Plains FM 96.9. With me now is Mary Gibson with her personal list of the top ten films of 2022. She will present this first, and then I will follow with my own list of the top ten films of last year. Uh, Mary... What were your major movies of 2022? Oh, my gosh, Hans. It was such a great year for movies, 2022. It was really hard for me to pin it down to 10, so I've got 11. (laughs) But anyway, uh, and it was a a year of amazing New Zealand films, amazing films about women, amazing autobiographies, and they feature through my list. So at number 10, I've got The Woman King, and that's an epic historical action drama about the... AOG, the all-female warrior unit that protected the West African kingdom of Dahomey during the 17th to 19th centuries. Viola Davis in this 
fabulous. That's all I can say about that. My number 10, another one about a strong woman. Good luck to you, Leo Grande. And uh, this was a little bit of a charmer, really. With It was a sex comedy drama filming, uh, film starring Emma Thompson in the lead role and as Nancy Stokes and Daryl McCormick as Leo Grande. Um, oh, the, yeah, yeah. the plot yeah, opens yeah, yeah. in a hotel room where Nancy Stokes welcomes a young sex worker named Leo Grande. An anxious Nancy explains that she's never had an orgasm and has vowed to never again fake one after the death of her husband <laughs> two years later. The rest of it is just brilliant. Such a good movie. Really, really hard to not pick that one. My number nine is another biopic, and, and in amongst that also, you know, was The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Phantom of the Opera, I Want to Dance with Somebody, but I picked uh, King Richard. And King Richard is a 2021 American biographical sports drama film directed by Reynaldo Marcus Green and written by Zach Balin. The film stars Will, Will Smith as Richard Williams' father and coach of famed tennis players Vina and Serena Williams, both of whom served as executive producers on the film. Um, it, Richard Williams is from Compton in California, and he's got a plan for these girls before they're even born. And that plays out beautifully. Will Smith, despite his actions at the Oscars, was certainly a well-deserved recipient of Best Actor Oscar in this really, really good movie. Um, and my next one is also a biopic, and that was about Elvis. Um, a brilliant, brilliant movie directed by Baz Luhrmann, written by Baz Luhrmann. We all know that he does everything over the top. Think Moulin Rouge and all of those films. So Elvis did not disappoint in any way whatsoever. But it's told from the perspective of his manager, Colonel Tom Parker, whose financial abuse of Elvis is a major plot throughout the movie. The movie stars Austin Butler as Elvis and Tom Hanks as Parker. Uh, honestly, Austin Butler is just brilliant in this. Absolutely loved him. He had all the mannerisms, his voice, everything right down, Elvis to a T. So that was my number eight. My number seven is another beautiful little movie. This was Belfast. Now, I don't know if you've picked this one, Hans, but this was written and directed by Kenneth Branagh. And the film stars Catriona Balderstone, Judy Dench, Jamie Dornan, Kieran Hines, Colin Morgan and Jude Hill. A great little Irish movie. And Branner says that it was really a reflection of his childhood as a young boy in Belfast, Northern Ireland, at the beginning of the Troubles in 1969. So it, it chronicles the life of a working-class Ulster Protestant family from the perspective of the nine-year-old boy Buddy during the Troubles in Ireland in Belfast. Buddy's father, Pa, works overseas in England while the family, Ma, their elder brother, Will, and the paternal grandparents, Granny and Pop, live in Belfast. So you can imagine how this plays out. It's a beautiful movie. Um, really, really well done. My number six, another one about women. And this one, in a slightly different way, this was Wakanda Forever. And um, this is another superhero film. I seem to have a few of those in my um, in my selection because I think they were so brilliant this year. They yeah, just yes, were so good. Um, this is a film based on the Marvel Comics character Black Panther. Uh, and as a follow-on from the movie to the original Black Panther, 
So with the death of Chadwick Boseman, who played T'Challa, Black Panther, I was really interested to see how they would develop the film. And it opens with T'Challa, King of Wakanda, dying from an illness, which his sister Shuri believes can be cured by the heart-shaped herb. Shuri attempts to synthetically replicate the herb after it was destroyed by Eric Killmonger, but fails to do so. The funeral scene of T'Challa is absolutely amazing, where everybody is dressed in white. It's really stunningly beautiful. That was my number six. Coming in at number five, and again, there were so many really good New Zealand movies this year with Fina, Dame Valerie Adams, Biopic, and Muru, but I picked Muru. So it was filmed in, 19, in 2022 and is about the 1997 New Zealand police raids of Nai Tuhoi community of Ruatoki. It's written and directed by T. Ripper Kahu, and it stars Cliff Curtis, Jay Ryan, and Manu Bennett, and of course, Tamaiti as himself. This is a delightful movie. Community Sergeant Taffy Tafaro, who is played by Curtis, has recently returned home to the community of Ruatoki, and he's torn between being a policeman and being a member of the community. That was my number five. At number four, well, what can I say? It was Top Gun Maverick. I honestly was really wondering how this movie would turn out, you know, because uh, 30 years since the first one, and would it match up? So, of course, here we go. Top Gun, United States Navy Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell is a test pilot, and despite his many achievements, repeated insubordination has kept him from flag rank. And his friend and former Top Gun rival, Admiral Tom Iceman Kaczynski, the commander of the US Pacific Fleet, often protects Maverick. So, of course, that sets the tone. Here we go. Maverick has played out brilliantly. The fights, the uh, fighter pilot scenes, um, the underlying tension in in the movie and the story, the relating back to the original one 30 years prior is is really par excellence. I don't think you can you can write this one off at all, much as we might not like Tom Cruise, but <laughs> Top Gun Maverick is absolutely up there. Here I am. Number three coming in is the Batman. I <laughs> <laughs> thought he'd get there. <laughs> of course he did, and he's ranked really highly. Um, it's, again, the superhero film based on the DC comics character Batman, and it st- starts on Halloween in Gotham City, where Mayor Don Mitchell Jr. is murdered by the Riddler. Reclusive billionaire Bruce Wayne, who has operated for two years as the vigilante Batman, investigates the murder alongside the Gotham City Police Department. So it's brilliantly played by Robert Pattinson. It's dark, it's moody. I, in my humble opinion, believe this is the true Batman. So that's why he's up at number three. Brilliant movie. Number two, and again, as I said, some really wonderful biopics um, this year, uh, stories about women. I can't help but include Parallel Mothers, The Happening, Road to Dance, Seriously Read. But my number two is She Said. And it's a 2022 American biographical drama directed by Maria Schrader and written by Rebecca Lenkiewicz based on the 2019 book of the same title by reporters Jodie Cantor and Megan Tuhi. 
The film stars Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazance as Tui and Cantor, respectively, and follows the New York Times investigation that exposed Harvey Weinstein's story of abuse and sexual misconduct against women. The turning point in this movie for me, and and I think the whole movie and the story, is when Ashley Judd, who plays herself in the movie, agrees to give a statement against Weinstein, whereas previously she had said no, as had Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, they had said they would not, and Rose McGowan, mm. but this was the turning point. This, yeah. to me, is a stunner of a movie. Absolutely stunner. Here we go. Number one. Uh-huh. Number one, coming right at you. So many brilliant movies, as I said, really difficult to pick, um, and, and I could have named probably 30 or 40, but my number one is... Avatar, The Way of Water. Yes. (laughs) So, more than a decade after the Navi rebelled the human invasion of Pandora by the Resources Development Administration, Jake Sully lives as a chief of the Omitakea clan and raises a family with Neytiri, which includes sons Netayam and Loak, daughter Took, adopted daughter Kiri, and human boy Spider. And so the humans decide that they want to come back and take over Pandora, I think this is probably going to be on your list, so I won't steal too much of <laughs> no, your, no, no, your no, thunder. No, 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 go on, go on. <laughs> so basically, um, from, the op- from the opening sequence of this movie, I was hooked, absolutely hooked. Uh, watching it in 3D, Jake and Niteri riding their dragons through to every single aspect of the movie, I just loved it. It was stunning in every single way, and to watch it in 3D was so exciting. I kept moving my glasses to see what it looked like, not in 3D, but 3D. It's just everything was coming at you. The development of the new group of people that Jake and his family went to stay with at the archipelago were the reef people. Jake and his family exiled themselves from the Omitakea and retreat to the Metkinye reef people clan at Pandora's eastern seaboard. And um, this is where we meet the new characters who are the uh, are the reef people, and they are so similar to... Um, aspects of Māori culture. And when you realise, of course, James Cameron lives here, it was um, all filmed and developed at Weta Workshops, Cliff Curtis is the leader of the clan, it all starts to click. And I cannot wait for the next version of Avatar. (laughs) I absolutely am so excited. And I think think there may be another two or three to come. So that's my year. Um, As I said, really hard to sum it up just in, in that number of movies, because personally, I think it was a brilliant year. I, I didn't mention The Lost King. I didn't mention um, a number of other movies, The Justice of Bunny King, so many good movies. I think people who want to look back reflectively will look back and, and if they're really interested in movies, they've got a feast to enjoy. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Mary. And now here are my top ten, which are rather different from other years, with a larger number of New Zealand films, uh, plus several movies about many more films about women, and also a couple that certainly aren't usually on my, um, aren't the usual art house kind of movie. So we'll start off. Number 10, I've, I've put in um, Dame Valerie Adams, More Than Gold. Uh, This feature documentary tells the inspirational story of five-time Olympian and double Olympic gold medalist 
Uh, that's Tongan, New Zealander, Dame Valerie Adams, one of the world's most celebrated athletes. It's also the story of a mother, a daughter, a sister and a survivor. Then, also from New Zealand, there's <laughs> Mr Organ. This is made by a, a local journalist and filmmaker, David Farrier, who uh, presents this disturbing documentary about Michael Organ, a man with criminal convictions, fake identities and psychological torment. Number eight, uh, it for me, was The Woman King. This rather offbeat but remarkable film tells a uh, true life story of an all-female unit of warriors who protected an African country in the 1880s. Uh, number seven was The Eyes of Tammy Faye. This surprising film gives us an intimate look at the extraordinary rise, fall and redemption of American televangelist Tammy Faye Becker, who, with her husband, created from humble beginnings, the world's largest religious broadcasting network. Then there was, in number six, is uh, Drive My Car. This is last year's winner of the Oscar for Best International Film, in which a renowned Japanese stage director and writer learns to cope with his wife's unexpected death when he receives an offer to direct Uncle Vanya by Russian writer Anton Chekhov. Then down in number five place is Huina. This is a moving and triumphant biopic of New Zealand's national icon, Dame Huina Cooper, who led a crowd of thousands on a nation-long walk to Wellington to demand the protection of Maori land rights, which had been stripped away by colonial exploitation. In place number four is Lunana, a yak in the classroom. This is set in the Himalayan country of Bhutan, where a young teacher is sent to the most remote school in the world in a glacial village where he finds no electricity, no textbooks, not even a blackboard, but he does find a yak in the classroom. And then in number three is Elvis. Yes, this is the best film ever made about this American pop music icon. Uh, from childhood to becoming a top singer and movie star in the 1950s while maintaining a complex relationship with his manager, Colonel Tom Parker. Number two for me was Moon Age Dream, which I found to be even better than Elvis. Um, this personal documentary, using archive footage, takes us on a cinematic odyssey exploring David Bowie's creative and musical journey, thus giving us a deeper appreciation of Bowie as a person. And number one for me was Avatar, mm -hmm. The Way of Water. This film comes out on top of my list for all its technical achievements, making it definitely worth a watch. Not so much for its story, but the stunning visual effects which are done so masterfully throughout, no matter whether you're above or below the water. OK, well, thank you, Mary. That was an amazing year for a wide variety of movies. I know. I think it bodes well for 2023, doesn't it, when we see this calibre of movies coming yeah. out. Yeah. Brilliant. Yes, yes. OK, well, thank you very much.
That was Mary Gibson helping me with our listing of the top films of 2022. I also thank this show's sponsor, the Harcourt's Grenadier Accommodation Centre, which is now located at 98 Morehouse Avenue. If you're looking for a place to live, check out the Harcourt's Accommodation Centre website, assetmanagers.co.nz. That address again, assetmanagers.co.nz. I'm Hans Petrovic, inviting you to listen to Movie Talk again on Plains FM 96.9 at midday next Wednesday. This program will also be repeated at midday on Saturday, and you can listen to podcasts of earlier episodes on Plains FM website. That's plainsfm.org.nz. 